to NURFM's Gardening Talkback and Scott Sharp just here waiting to impart his knowledge to you. If you give us a call with your question on 49216216, which is exactly what Betty has done. Hello, Betty. Jane just made me sound almost clever then, didn't she? Oh, definitely. I hope you're clever enough to... Give me a little bit of help here, please. <laughs> Imparting my knowledge. Let's give it a go. How Thank can we you, help Daniel. you? Um, I have an orchid. Actually, it's one that I won, a lovely white orchid. Yes. One dinner apple, and I think I'm killing it. Mm. Um, <laughs> the shoots, <clears throat> excuse me, the shoots are coming out, but they're black on the bottom. Yes. And the orchids are not blooming properly. They come up so far and then die. Right, we'll, we'll, we'll give you 10 out of 10 for honesty because most people won't admit that they're actually killing their plants. So we'll give you the thumbs up for that straight away. I've got brown fingers, <laughs> or black, I think. Do you know what sort of orchid it is? Is it one yeah. of the ones with the strappy thin leaves or one of the ones with the big fat leaves on it? Big, uh, fat, wide leaves. rather big leaves on it. Uh, cool. I can tell you what it's called, actually. Yeah, it's, it's pro- it may well be a Phalaenopsis orchid, which are pretty common and very popular. Uh, out- uh, it's got Lynn, oh no, it's only the name of it, Char. Oh, okay. Look, if it's got big, fat, wide leaves, it's, chances are it's a Phalaenopsis orchid. Some people call them moth orchids, and, and they are a fantastic plant. They perform so well. They look like they're going to be really tender and, and difficult to look after, um, but in fact they're an, a very robust plant, and they'll keep on flowering for months on end, and then when that flower spike dies, then it should flower again for you. So, Betty, yours is going uh, dark at the bottom, do you think? Yes, just the outside shoots. Yes. I'd say new shoots. I thought maybe it needs repotting. It, it could do. Would you say that it's in a... Orchids love very well-drained um, potting mix. It's really almost pine bark. Uh, so that the water can drain down through them. Because orchids usually, uh, you know, they, they grow on, on the branches of trees and, uh, you know, in the, in the rainforest in those sort of very well-drained positions, so they don't like having wet feet. And that could be the problem with it. If you're overwatering it or, uh, you know, if you've got a saucer of water underneath it, will be soaking all that up and, and that could be harming it, you know, quite a lot. Well, actually, I've been watering it once yeah. a week. Yes. Every Saturday. Yeah. And then I put it... On my front veranda, not in a saucer, where it can drain. Yeah. Um... I don't know what else I can do with it. Well, that, look, that sounds like you're doing all the right things. Uh, the, that's probably the thing that's going to get to them the most. They don't like cold weather, although if it's been doing it for some time, that wouldn't be the answer either. Now, the great thing about your orchid as well is it's nice and transportable. So if you want to pick that up and um, bring it into your local garden centre, I'm sure if someone will actually be able to have a look at it for you, they'll be uh-huh. able to um, maybe give you a little bit more help about that. I might have a bit of difficulty doing I'm disabled and... Mm. <laughs> Oh, no. But I'll have a go anyway. Okay. I might be able to find someone that can help me. Yeah, even if someone gives it a lift and just to try and find out what's wrong with mm. it. I would say with those orchids that, uh, yeah, wet feet is going to be the biggest problem with them. But you're only watering it once a week. Sounds like you're doing the right things. You're letting it drain. Um, it might just be worth sending it in. Let someone have a better look at it. And uh, we'll go from there. Well, thanks so much for your call and starting the program off, Gardening Talkback. We are now up to Kerry. No, we're not. Not yet. Kerry, hang on. Rosemary from Corlett. Hey, Rosemary, how can we help you? Oh, hi, Scott. I've got a Geraldton wax and I haven't been pruning it. It's about 10 feet high now and very woody. And I'm wondering if I could save it by taking a cutting. Could I do that now? That's probably the best thing to do. Uh, if you go- are going to try and prune your Geraldton wax back, only do a very small amount. Don't do it yeah, back into that old hardwood. I can't wood. even reach it. Oh, okay. 
Uh, because <laughs> sure as anything, it will cark it if you uh, prune back into that hard wood. It's the same with lavender and, and yeah. diosmas and things. As soon as they get that woodiness about them, when you prune back into them, uh, you know, they're, they're quite liable just to fall over. Yeah. Um, look, sounds like where you are up at Corlett, Gerald and Wax love those sort of conditions, the yeah. sandy soil. Uh, look, all, all you can do is just try and get a ladder or get someone with a, you know, a pole saw or a pole hedger to try and give it a, a prune back, a light prune back. And then as it, you know, reshoots, you can try and prune it back a little bit more and a little bit more and try and get it back under control. But if you want to, I'd take some cuttings. Uh, look, probably not the best time to take cuttings for gelatin wax now as we're starting to cool down. Uh, you're probably best to wait now until August uh, when you do that and then take a whole lot of cuttings and see how you of go the, from there. Of the old wood? Uh, no, usually you take it from up the top where it's just starting to go hard. So okay. it's, it's fresh and green, but it's just starting to harden off and that's where you take your cuttings there. Put them yeah. into some rooting powder. Yeah. I know it sounds naughty, but it, uh, you just go and buy it at your nursery. Yeah. No one will even smile at you. We won't even blush. Yeah. And uh, you dip it in there and then into, your, into the propagation mix and uh, off you go. Hopefully you'll get some cuttings if you take quite a few. In August. Yeah, I'd wait till August for that. This is Gardening Talkback for our sponsor, Sharp City Gardeners in Merriweather. And we're taking your calls on 49216216. And Scott's here and Kerry's here too. Hello, Kerry. Out of Gateshead, how can we help you today? Good afternoon, Jane and Scott. Bit of a problem with... Well, I query about my asparagus. Uh, it's coming into its third year now. Yes. Right, we had a light crop last year. Then I let it go to fern. They all died off, so I've cut it off, right, as the directions say. But it's shooting into uh, asparagus again. Oh. Is that normal? I mean, we're getting probably a feed every second day off of this. Well, I've got six plants in. And, and you're complaining or? No, I'm not complaining. <laughs> I'm just saying it's weird. It's supposed to be going into hibernation and I'm having a Mexican crop of asparagus. <laughs> look, it, it should be going into hibernation now, but uh, look, we, I was going to say, unfortunately, we are dealing with nature, but we are dealing with nature and weird and wonderful things happen. Uh, you know, you will get a, a hot spell or we'll get a, a, you know, a dry spell and then a wet spell and just weird and wonderful things will happen with, with plants. Uh, look, I, I keep on thinking that camellias are flowering earlier and earlier every year and, it, you know, it might just be anecdotal, but that's, that's how I feel. So, Kerry, things like that are happening. Don't, don't be, you know, too concerned about it. It means that you've got a good, healthy plant there in the ground. Uh, what are you feeding it with? Anything in particular? Or oh, blood and bone and uh, dynamic lifts and stuff like that. Yeah, look, blood and bone is fantastic for things like asparagus, parsley, uh, basil. They all, they all love that blood and bone for some reason. It just gives them a pick-me-up and uh, makes mm. them lovely and green. So I wouldn't be concerned about it. Uh, just keep on doing what you've been doing with it. And uh, when, you, when, you, when the ferns and things are finished, prune those back off as normal. Uh, look, I wouldn't be concerned. Just keep on enjoying it. Great stuff. Not okay. a problem then. Appreciate it, Thank Kerry. Fantastic. Thanks, Thanks, Kerry. And Mavis from Maryville now. Mavis, how can we help you? Scott, I saw on an episode of Gardening Australia, but I missed the name of it, a plant that you can plant amongst your brassicas and attracts the white cabbage moth and the cabbage moth eats it and dies. So you don't get the grub cycle, so you don't get your crop ruined by them eating it. And I don't know what the name of it is, the, and I want to know if you know. 
The only thing I could think of that would help out with that is putting uh, marigolds. Was it marigolds, you remember? No, no, it looked like a cross between a cos lettuce and this other thing called rucola, which is an Italian plant. Okay, I'll have to find out about that for you. Look, marigold is usually your most common companion planting. It keeps nematodes out of the soil. Uh, it uh, just generally attracts bad insects to it rather than going to the plants. But your brassicas are very, very difficult to try and keep the, uh, the cabbage moth away from. So I'll find out about that because anything that will keep those away um, is going to be a good thing. Uh, thank you for the tip, yeah. Mavis. Yeah. All right, thank you too. Cheers. We'll check that one out. And um, cabbages are delicious, are they, to grubs? Oh, absolutely. And oh, they just come from, I don't know where they come from. They just appear and all of a sudden they're eating them. And the, Brussels sprouts included? Yes, all the little green grubs are laying there. You can't see them. You see their poo around and that's when you realise and the holes in the leaves and that's, you know, it can be overnight and all of a sudden the damage is done. So, so kids, that's <laughs> what you should be doing. To, I mean, no, kids aren't grubs. Who said that? <laughs> <laughs> okay, 49216216 is the number to ring for your call and Helen has done that. She's from East Maitland. How can we help you, Helen? Grandma, do I need to uh, fertilise it? Uh, fertilise what? What are you, what are you growing? It's grandma. 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 Ah, okay, so you're going gra- growing grandma, are you? Yes, you, yeah. c- you certainly can fertilise grandma. Have you been fertilising with anything uh, at all? No. No. Uh, look, like we were just talking to uh, Kerry at Gateshead, um, Blood and Bones, fantastic for, for grammar. Um, it's a good all-round nice soft fertiliser. Uh, if you wanted to, the other thing you could do is start to add some potash to the soil in the area as well to promote the flowering of the, um, of the, of the plant, and then you'll get the, the flowers turn into the grammar for you, and then hopefully they turn to nice pies as well. Yeah, okay, thank you. Okay, thank you, Helen. Great. Now, uh, 49216216, and you can get your question through to Scott Sharp today on Gardening Talkback for our sponsor, Sharp City Gardeners in Merriweather. Scott, a question from me. Grandma, is that sort of related to um, pumpkin? Yes, yes. I remember my grandmother used to make grandma your pie. Grandma made grandma, grandma pie. <laughs> yes. I didn't particularly like it very much. I, I couldn't quite understand why you'd be having this sort of savoury thing uh, in a pie, same as rhubarb. I can't understand that either. Like, I can't understand why you have alcohol in dessert, too. It always gives it a funny flavour. It's, it's all these things mystify me. We're moving on to cooking here. <laughs> Sounds like a great program. I make, a, I make a very good key lime pie, though. Mm. Yes, there's a secret to that. I'll let go a little bit later on in the show, if you well, like. Well, just tell me at the moment, what's the difference between a key lime and a lime? I think I've done some investigation about this, and I think that the key limes are just Tahitian limes. It's just what they used to call them back in the day when they were trying to keep scurvy under control and they were making these pies so that the vitamin C was in the lime juice. Ah, mm. and it doesn't sort of disappear when you prepare the pie? Apparently not, no. It seems to stay there. That's, that's, you know, obviously, scurvy was one of the worst things that would ever happen to the, the sailors on the ships, and it did work for them. They, the, the lime juice would be used and it would be very successful for them. Mm. Yeah. To NURFM, the home of your easy listening favourites. This is Gardening Talkback for our sponsor, Sharp City Gardeners in Merriweather, and Scott Sharp here, just ready and willing to take your questions about your garden and how you can make it better. 49216216 is the number to ring to get your question through to Scott. And we have Mark joining us now from Wood Rising. G'day, mate. How can we help you? Hello. Oh, hi. Yes, hello. G'day, mate. How can we help you? I have a a grapefruit, a red ruby grapefruit tree. 
and it has fruit on it at the moment, and the fruit has been on it for quite a few months, probably all through summer. Right. And they're just not ripening, ripening up at all. How old's the plant, mate? Uh, probably about uh, four years old. Oh, okay, so it's quite quite four a decent age. Yeah. Yeah, it's quite a decent age then. Look, that's very odd that it's been on there right through summer because my answer to you was going to be, uh, you know, that you need the heat, you need the sunlight to, to ripen yeah. the fruit up, you know, as the sugars go through, it helps ripen it up and it gets bigger. Uh, that, look, that is very unusual that it's doing that. Would you say that the fruit come on, came on late or anything or? Well, actually, I ended up getting about, uh, two crops out of it. Um, because I fed it with some banana fertiliser yeah. this year or last year, yep. and um, it got a second flush of fruit. Oh, okay. Look, that that could be it then. That the fact they've got that second flush of fruit, it's, it just hasn't, you know, it's not on there at the right time, and that that could be the reason. So you're just going to have to unfortunately wait for it. Uh, I know, yeah. I know, it's not you know, going to be as successful now that it starts to cool down and the, and the days are getting shorter. But unfortunately, that is the only way to uh, to have that happen, uh, is just to wait and see if it does ripen. If it doesn't um, ripen for you, I would start picking that fruit off so that it's ready to go again next year. Okay. Yeah. When should I start, start to fertilise it? Uh, look, you can fertilise it now if you wish. Uh, they love poultry manure, and I'd also oh. get some potash into them as well. Uh, that, yep. that really helps the flowering of the plant. And I would say, look, within a month, if it hasn't started, you know, if that fruit hasn't started to colour up for you properly, I'll start, you know, thinning that out and picking it off. Uh, okay. Chances are it's just going to fall off naturally anyway as the uh, days get colder and the nights get uh, colder as well. Yep. And um, should I prune the tree back at all? Yeah, look, I always believe in pruning it back. I uh, picked all the limes off my tree at the nursery uh, the other week, and as soon as I did that, I gave it a massive haircut, uh, probably took about a third of the plant off. So mm -hmm. in preparation for later on again this year or next season, I guess you could call it, so that when all that new growth comes on, that's where all the fruit's going to be. Often you go out to uh, people's places and they've got big old lemon trees. You know, they could be three or four metres tall. And all the yeah. fruit's sitting up the top on the new growth. And, of course, they can't pick it. It just falls off and drops to the ground mm. and rots. And then you get fruit fly and all those things start to, to build up yeah. and you get problems. So, look, you are best to prune your tree back as soon as you've taken the fruit off it and it's, it's finished fruiting. Give it a good old haircut. You'll get a much better crop. It'll be manageable for you and you'll be able to actually reach it for next season. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Okay. Appreciate it, Mark. And that's Thank you. thanks for your question, Mark. Four nine two one six two one six to get your question through, and uh, to Scott Sharp today on Gardening Talkback. And uh, Scott, just before we um, go to our next caller, um, is now a good time to be um, fertilising lawns? I, I think I heard you say it was last week on Friday morning, but. Um, when you've got lots of incipient um, bindi eyes and things, is that going to help? Well, yes, it's going to help the bindies if you go and fertilise them now. So what, what happens is as we, getting, we get colder and colder, it gets towards a point where it's not really worth fertilising the lawn. But you put the fertiliser on there and it just washes through because there's no growth. Uh, and that happens sometime in the middle of May. So if you're going to fertilise your lawn, you need to do that, you know, quite soon, within the next, next month or so. But to do, to do that successfully, you need to get rid of the bindies first. So you need to spray at this time, wipe the bindies out, and then fertilise afterwards. Otherwise, you're just going to promote the bindies and they're going to take off for you. Always remember, 
don't mow your lawn if you're going to spray for binnies because it actually has to settle on the foliage. So if you mow your lawn, you've taken away any, you know, almost any potential for that chemical to work when you spray it on. So leave your lawn nice and long, spray, get rid of the bindies, then give it the mow and then fertilise after that sometime in the next month or so. Okay, so bindies like fertiliser too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Dear, what a pity. <laughs> okay, this is Gardening Talkback, 49216216. Cole has rung in from Saltash. Now, that's a good place for growing things. Sandy Saltash, how can we help you, Cole? Uh, g'day. It's uh, a problem with my rhubarb. Yes. Normally this time of the year it's firing away and going really strong, but... Every every time we get a new leaf comes up, it starts to curl up. Doesn't grow anywhere near as long as it should. I'm wondering, is there curl grubs or is it the fungus or something like that? Look, curl grubs live in the soil and they're they're more uh, actually eating the root system of the plant away. So you'd you'd get overall, you know, the, overall the plant wouldn't wouldn't be looking very healthy. I'd be more inclined to think that at the moment it's it's been uh, a fungal disease. We've had a lot of rain. We've had a lot of humidity that went on for quite some time. Rhubarbs are susceptible to that. I would go and grab a fungicide like Mancozet Plus or copper oxychloride and give yep. that a spray all over, and you'll find that that should give it a, a, a bit of a lift me up. And with, with the um, yeah okay yeah I got that, but yep. with the uh, the ground it's a fairly porous ground, yes. and I put um, the sugarcane mulch over the top. And would that be encouraging the mould or the, the fungus? Look, look it, it shouldn't be any any more so than just... The, the fungal spores live in the soil. They can live on the uh, sugarcane mulch as well. It may be that it's just staying a little bit more moist there, and that can promote that. Uh, the other thing I would do is when you've got the fungicide mixed up, put some in the watering can as well and actually drench it in the area around the plant, and that should kill off any fungal spores that are in the soil too. Good man. Okay. Thanks. Go to Thanks, it, coal. Yes, um, yeah. Lots of good things grow in Saltash, don't they? Oh, they do, but it is very, it's very, very sandy up there. This is gardening talk back for our sponsor, Sharp City Gardeners, Merryweather, and uh, well, this is a very interesting plant, Scott, that you've got there. It is barley stripe. Yes, it is. It's a little mini mondo grass. So most people know mondo grass as being either just green, you can get dwarf, you can get tall, you can get a uh, dark um, black mondo grass as well. But this one's called barley stripe. It looks really fantastic. It's uh, green on the inside and yellow on the outside. And it, it gets to about 20 centimetres high. Like all mondo grass, it will grow in the full sun or the shade. And mondo grass makes a fantastic border plant or in around pavers, just as a ground cover to fill it up. Uh, they, they clump out like all mondo grass do, and they're also very drought tolerant. Uh, I think they look fantastic around uh, you know, the, a pool, somewhere like that, anywhere you need a border, and you've got some really nice other dark green uh, foliage plants. You just need to lighten it up and give it a little bit of a contrast. Uh, it's called barley stripe, a fantastic new plant that I just found uh, last week. So barley doesn't mean, the connection there doesn't mean that it grows well in tropical conditions? Yes, well they do grow very well in to- tropical conditions. I'm not sure it comes from barley, but it would certainly they certainly use it up there. You always see it uh, whenever you go in far north Queensland, they're using it in the landscaping up there. On to a new RFM at 10 to 1. We will do a quick check of the weather for our sponsor, the Hunter Motor Group for new Subaru, Honda, Volkswagen and our Susie. You chance of a shower today, partly cloudy otherwise. It's 21 degrees at Kerry Bay at the moment.
This is Gardening Talkback for our sponsor, Sharp City Gardeners in Merriweather and Scott Sharp here and very happy to answer your questions. 49216216. We've still got time to get your question through to Scott Sharp today. But deciduous trees, Scott. Yeah, we've sort of missed out. I, I was walking, no autumn. Well, we haven't had an autumn this year and all of a sudden the deciduous trees, you know, they were lovely and green. They'd gone through summer and then I looked around and it seems like they're just brown and they don't look very flash at all, really. It's... Uh, they're all just brown on the tips and there's a little bit, bit of green in the middle. We just don't get the seasons here in Newcastle, unfortunately. So we don't get those beautiful colours that come through all the deciduous trees. About the only one that will colour up here in Newcastle are sapiens. Uh, some people call them Chinese tailor wood. They're about the only one you ever really see getting decent colour. Uh, where we are in Carrington, you certainly don't get any colour in the trees over there. The leaves just seem to fall off. They they block up the gutters. And, uh, yeah, they it's a bit bit unfortunate this year. I suppose inland is much better because it gets cooler at night. Is that why? Look, it certainly is. I think even you get up the valley around Cessnock, you just start to get those cooler nights. And and the weather here on the coast can be, you know, one thing one day, one thing the next, because we've got the sea there, and it's it's so much influencing our, our weather patterns. And they just don't seem to work very well here in Newcastle. So the the influence of the sea is that to do with the salt as well as the fact? That oh the no, no, it's just the, just the temperature the regulation. Temperature. Yeah, yeah. So, no, no, I suppose. Yeah, look, I, I think once you get up to Cessnock and a little bit, you know. You get into those hollows up there, you get much better colour out of the deciduous trees. Yeah. Mm, I've got a liquid amber that um, often does get quite some colours, um, not always as much as it would, I'm sure, in a cold climate. Mm. Um, yes, what you say is right is what's happening to it. It's going brown around the edges. Um, still dropping some leaves, but some of the leaves are still quite green. Is that later than usual? Well, my uh, rabinias, out, golden rabinias out the backyard, there I had a big clean-up on the weekend. I didn't get much help. I was out there doing it all by myself. Uh, <laughs> other people were in the house, but they were playing their Xbox or something like that. Right. And so I was out there raking away and muttering to myself. But anyway, I did it all by myself. But that's, that's the way I think world. wind is a wonderful way of oh. <laughs> looking after leaves, don't you? Yeah, but when it's in piles in the backyard, though, you have to do something about it. And so it might have been thinning out. Um, so, yeah, and I'm still seeing green leaves dropping at the moment. I just don't think it's going to be a very good year or season for deciduous trees here in Newcastle. Okay. Well, we do have another caller on the line. Hello. Can I ask what your name is? Hello? Hello? Oh, perhaps our caller doesn't want to speak to us. Okay, um, so you reckon Chinese tallow is the... Um is the, the one to get. Yeah, look, it certainly is. Um, it's, it, it, it does do damage to uh, paving and stuff. It's got a funny shallow root system that spreads out and it can mound things up and do damage that way. Uh, so, look, you have to be careful about where you're planting it. There's, you know, certain plants uh, get grown. You know, they do best, best in, some, in some places. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's wrong to think you can put any plant in and it's just going to, you know, not do harm to the environment or, you know, damage things. I was interested to see actually in the paper today about the, uh, those massive London plane trees that they took out in King Street. I mean, they were doing enormous damage in there. Um, just the wrong plant in the wrong spot. And uh, they'll put some new ones in there. And, um, you know, those, those uh, chanticleers, like they've got further down towards Civic Park, and they'll be a much more appropriate tree in the place. They'll be able to fix up the footpaths, the guttering, and uh, I think it'll be a much better result all round. 
So they're talking about um, ornamental pears, um, yeah. which is slightly different from the ones. They have planted some new um, new plants and new trees in King Street. That's right. They're called Chanticleer. They're a much more upright plant. So they'll be able to, where, where they've taken out those London plane trees in King Street, there's a lot of awnings and things there. So those London plane trees were encroaching on those awnings and doing a lot of damage. Now to the gut, to the guttering of people's build, uh, people's buildings. So we'll, uh, those chanticleers will be much more upright and they'll, uh, be a better plant in the, in the situation. Well, I hope we've got Roger back on the line <laughs> again. Hello, Roger. Hello there. We have. How can we help you, Roger? Well, out in the backyard, I've got a banana tree growing. Yes. And by the icrometer, it's about nearly three metres high. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and all of a sudden, you know how you got a tree and you never look out there? Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, there's another one growing beside it. Mm-hmm. Now, does that mean that it's a male and a female or it's gay and we might get bananas? <laughs> look, that's just how bananas um, grow, Roger. They, they clump out like that. So if you don't want to have a sort of a, a raging monster in your backyard, uh, you need to try and thin that clump out and keep it under control. Uh, Jude uh, has got some next to her place and... And they've actually come in under the fence, so they can do quite some damage and they'll get quite thick and very difficult to uh, to take out. So, look, I would be uh, just containing it to the size that you want and uh, just keeping the bananas in, into that uh, into that area because they but will do a lot I of get damage. bananas now that it's got a partner? Oh, yeah, look, the bananas, they should come out from the original tree as well. There should be no reason why they're not doing that. Okay, thank okay. you. So you don't Thanks, actually need to have a male and a female no, banana No, no, plant. Not, with, not with bananas. No, no, that's no. clever. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, well, uh, we're getting towards the end of Gardening Talkback today, but um, you do have a secret to reveal oh, that the we secret. Well, we won't go quite get to the secret. It was about a pie that I made last night. Uh, it was very tasty. Young Tom's here sitting beside me. He's smiling. He didn't actually have any of it. Um, but I was a bit un- <laughs> upset about that, but I've uh, made one for uh, Jude as well tonight um, and she's I think going to try and pass it off as hers uh, I'm sure no one that's going there tonight will be listening so she'll still be able Absolutely to pass it off sure. as hers but <laughs> she is going to um, add to it and put uh, some of it in herself a little bit of uh, sprinkles on the top no doubt uh, look the other thing I saw when we were out at Redhead yesterday out near the beach we were driving back Mm. Uh, I saw some white autumn crocus uh, down around Callaroo Road. So people have got a beautiful garden down there, and it's in completely in flower at the moment. And they had used it as a as a border plant, a bit like Mondo grass, I guess. But at the moment, it's just masses of flower. It looked absolutely stunning. I'd never really thought about it as a border plant before, but after seeing that one out at Redhead, uh, a fantastic plant to get. You can buy them as bulbs. Uh, they don't actually die out though. They just seem to go right through summer, and then they flower at this time. But if you're out around Calaroo Road at the moment uh, looks absolutely spectacular. It's on that bend there. They're not local, are they? Local plants? No, no, plants, no, they're not. No, but no. they're very pretty. They we don't are. just have to restrict our gardens to no, indigenous <laughs> plants, do we? <laughs> no. And um, so we're, we're getting towards the end of Gardening Talkback and uh, our thanks to you, Scott Sharp. Thank you. You'll be back next, um, mm, could be Monday, couldn't it? Next Monday after the be, midday yeah, news yeah. for the next edition of um, Gardening Talkback. And do remember you can catch the website, sorry, on our website to nurfm.com, you can catch the podcast of this program. And uh, that's always a good thing to do. So just head to our website and look for podcasts to NURFM.